feel good to uh, know Jesus and therefore have hope uh, and uh, and even to know in the midst of death, uh, you know, uh, as Pastor Stan prayed um, uh, of those who in our church have lost loved ones this week, uh, the, the funeral for Mark Guy's mom is tomorrow along with the funeral for uh, Chris Holdgrafer's grandma who passed away. Her funeral will be tomorrow, Betty Dix's memorial service uh, here uh, this coming Saturday. And so just a number of people in our church to be lifting up uh, in prayer. Uh, looking forward to being back in the Gospel of John. Uh, we took a break uh, starting in mid-November, and now it's mid-January, and we're getting back to uh, walking through the Gospel of John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're in chapter 10. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's true, isn't it, that the world is a dangerous place, and kids are vulnerable. It is Sanctity of Life Sunday, a Sunday where we want to take a pause and remember um, that all human life created by God is valuable because all humans are created in the image of God. Whether uh, they be living at this time in the womb or outside of the womb, that's uh, some of the 4D ultrasound kind of stuff they can do now. That's a picture of a baby in the womb and a baby then outside of the womb and both, uh, same baby, so made in God's image and worthy of our care and protection, but it is a vulnerable time to be a child in a dangerous world in the United States, the estimate. Thankfully, this number has been going down almost every year, but still just under a million babies aborted in the United States each year. And uh, so the world is a dangerous place, and kids are vulnerable. Kids need parents, don't they? That's part of God's design is that we, uh, as children growing up, we would get into all sorts of trouble if it were not for those who had more power and more authority actually caring for us in some way when we're vulnerable. I was in a parking lot uh, it was, uh, in Ames that Kirsten and I went a couple, three weeks ago and watched a little guy take off running across the parking lot. I don't know if it was mom or grandma that was with him. But she called out his name, and that was not enough to get this little guy uh, to turn back from running. Thankfully, nobody was coming at the time. But kids need parents, don't they, who know them and will call out their voice and trust that this child has been trained enough that when their voice is called out, that that child will then hear their voice and come and follow them. In a world where there are all sorts of threats to our our kids. Sometimes the threat is out there on the street and sometimes the threat is in their pocket on a screen. Kids need parents who know where they're at, who care for them, know what's going on in their life and know how to protect them because kids at all sorts of ages are vulnerable. Kids need parents who know them and care for them. Parents who love them enough even to lay down their lives for them. And unfortunately, there are far too many kids right here in Iowa Falls who get lost in the shuffle. Their parents are so focused on their own lives and their own desires that they uh, neglect their kids. There are kids who are hurt by the parents who are called on to care for them and love them. Kids need parents because the world is a dangerous place and kids are vulnerable the way God designed things. In today's passage, we're going to look not at parenting uh, and children, but we are going to look at shepherds and sheep. 
Today's message is just called this, Jesus is our Good Shepherd. In John 10, 1 to 21 is the passage we're going to be looking at. Very quick reminder of where we've been because it was November that we were here last. But remember that all of John chapter 9 was devoted to the account of this man who had been born blind. But when the man who had been born blind meets Jesus, what of course does Jesus do? Jesus heals the man born blind because he has compassion and because he's powerful to do that. And so Jesus heals the man born blind. But do you remember the reaction of the religious leaders of that time? Did did they pat Jesus on the back and thank him for his work of healing? And did they tell people, you need to follow this man? And did they welcome that healed man into their fellowship? No, you remember what they did? The religious leaders called Jesus a sinner and kicked the healed man out of the synagogue. That was their response. And so it's in that context that we get to John chapter 10, where, John, where Jesus is now going to start doing some teaching to them, where there's going to be a stark contrast between thieves, robbers, strangers, hired hands, these, these people that make the world for God's people a dangerous place. God's people are referred to often throughout the Bible as sheep, vulnerable sheep. And in this time, it is even the religious leaders who seek to be not pointing God's people to the one good shepherd that God had promised would come, but they're actually seeking to lead people away from him. They're opposed to Jesus. And Jesus is contrasting now in John chapter 10 himself with those religious leaders who are supposed to care for God's people, but they're not doing a very good job. So, here's the big idea today. Vulnerable sheep like us need a good shepherd who knows us, calls us, provides for us, protects us, cares for us, and even lays down his life for us. We know that that good shepherd is Jesus, and he's the one we're going to hear from now in John chapter 10. So if you're able to, would you stand as we read God's word? From John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, going down to verse 21, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your word. What a gift it is to have this, to to hear today the very word spoken by Jesus, uh, recorded by the, the disciple named John, and preserved through centuries for us that we can know who Jesus is and what he has done for us. God, transform us by it. For your glory in Jesus' name, amen. God's word, John 10, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. Now this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, well, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You can be seated. So if you have a bulletin inside there, there is a sermon notes page. Life Group Guide, I encourage you to use that uh, both today and then after today as well. So Jesus, you heard as I was reading that, begins by telling a story. But did you hear what John tells us in verse 6? Jesus tells the story about sheep and shepherds and stuff. Verse 6, John just flat out tells us, but they didn't get it. Jesus was using a figure of speech. I want to give you a quick bit of context, though, before we look at that story. Because they would have understood this, and maybe if you're not as familiar with the Bible, you wouldn't understand that right off the bat. But it was very familiar to God's people that in the Bible, which at that time was just what we call the Old Testament, the sheep are God's people. Oftentimes, God's people in the Bible are referred to as sheep. We also would find that often in Scripture, God is referred to as a shepherd of his people. Probably the most well-known psalm. You know it, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? And it talks about in Isaiah how all we like sheep have gone astray. Right? So it's very common in Old Testament language, God is the shepherd, the people are the sheep. It is also common for God to speak of other shepherds, that he calls on to lead his people. The prophets are called on to be shepherds, to lead God's people, but oftentimes they're not leading them as God calls them to. So this was common language, and so Jesus is just picking up on that. I would love to spend some time. I wrote it in my notes, but we're not going to have time. It's in your life group guide, though, too. Going to Ezekiel 34. Uh, like I said, I'd love to spend time. They're not going to, Okay. Awesome passage, Ezekiel 34, in your life group guide, just for a little bit of context. Jesus is the good shepherd that God's people have needed and have been waiting for. Verses 1 to 6, though. Jesus begins to speak to the people using a figure of speech. He's talking about sheep. He's talking about shepherds and about gatekeepers and all this stuff. In verse 6, John tells us this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
so Jesus, in his kindness and patience and gentleness, is going to explain it in a little more detail. And so, rather than spend a lot of time on verses 1 to 5, we're going to spend more time on Jesus' explanation in the following verses. But I do want us to notice a couple of things here in verses 1 to 6. I want us to notice that these these themes of of people we're going to see come up again in this passage. There's thieves and robbers, okay? There are those who are opposed to the sheep and are in it for themselves. We're going to see them come up again. But we also have sheep and we have a shepherd. And what it tells us here is that the sheep hear his voice and he, this is verse 3, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So we're going to learn a lot of things about Jesus, the good shepherd, in this passage. But one thing that we learn here, and we're going to see it again too, in verse 3, is that Jesus knows his sheep by name and he calls them out by name. Okay? Jesus is referring to himself as the shepherd, which he'll do again later. And he, he's a shepherd who knows and who calls. Like I said, more on all this later. But I want to get into the description that Jesus has as he tries to lay out for people that had a hard time understanding that story. He's going to keep using metaphors, but he's going to try to make it more clear. And he's actually going to switch metaphors partway through. So verses 7 through 10 the, the people are always the sheep all throughout this. The people are always the sheep. There's always some bad guy or somebody who's not doing what they're supposed to do. There's thieves, robbers, strangers, hired hands. Okay. And later on in the passage, Jesus uh, repeats, I am the good shepherd. But in verses 7 through 10, Jesus refers to himself in a different way. Do you see that? Verses 7 to 10 says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So Jesus switches metaphors, and he says, I am the door of the sheep. It might be that he's not totally switching metaphors, because if you can imagine, uh, they didn't have the kind of fencing available that we have today, but there were some structures built that would help contain sheep. To a great degree, it's relatively easy to contain sheep, Because they're not great at jumping. They're not really strong enough to knock things over. So a structure that would help to hold sheep in would need a place for sheep to come in and go out. Oftentimes, the shepherd would serve as the door. They didn't have, you know, like a metal gate that would swing on hinges. But the shepherd himself would be one who would either sit or stand in a doorway to this sheep pen. So inside that pen, the the sheep might be well-contained, well-fed, and cared for and protected from what's around them by a a door. And it would be only one way to get in, and it would be through that door, right? So Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. There are others who try to get in other ways. Others who came before me, Jesus here might be referring to, uh, to some false prophets, might be referring to some false messiahs, because a lot of people, and you can imagine how this would happen, they they knew the promises of God in the Old Testament of what the Messiah would be like, so a lot of people would pretend uh, to be the Messiah. Jesus says, there's others that came before me, thieves and robbers, though. They're not the real shepherd of the sheep. Then Jesus says it again, I am the door. 
And this is where we see the gospel, which we've seen other places all throughout Scripture, and this is what a lot of people in our culture don't like. The gospel is kind of exclusive. Jesus says this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And again, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the door. If you're a sheep, there's all sorts of threats against you that sheep are relatively defenseless to do anything about. They can't run fast. They don't have horns that attack. Like they, They're just pretty defenseless, and they're desperately in need of a shepherd who will protect them, who will save them. And Jesus says, I will save you, but I'm telling you this, I'm the door. You only get in one way. You want to be in a right relationship with the good shepherd, then you come in through me, the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find, pa- find pasture. So not only does he protect, he also provides. It's through him that you will be able to go in and out and find pasture. He knows when it's safe. He'll lead you uh, to still water, to, to quiet waters, uh, lead you beside, uh, remember that psalm? You know what I'm talking about? Lay you down in green pastures, right? Lead you beside quiet waters, right? He's a good shepherd who does that. Jesus says, that's me. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. There are others out there whose goal it is to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, right? So that's the first picture that Jesus uses, the picture of him being the door. He's one who protects and one who provides. So quick application for us from that. Jesus is the door. Jesus saves. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There are not other ways to be saved. The world is dangerous, full of thieves and robbers who will tell lies and will seek to deceive. But only Jesus is able to save us, not just from the dangers in the world, but ultimately from the greatest danger of all, and that is the danger of eternal destruction, which is what we head to because of our sin. Only Jesus is able to save. And only Jesus provides what we truly need. Again, the world will have lots of ways of kind of luring us in. Remember last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 6. Right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Earthly treasure, earthly things, the stuff the rest of the world runs after, that's not all that secure. Remember that from last week. But Jesus has come, not to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that those who are his might have life and have it abundantly. Okay, Not just a salvation so that instead of hell you're going to heaven, but to give a kind of life that is abundant that begins even now, and I don't think it has much to do with material goods. He gives that which is truly life, as we saw in 1 Timothy 6 last week. So do you trust Jesus to protect and provide? There's no other way for you to be saved. Only through Christ. He's the door. But then we're told in verses 11 to 18 of the good shepherd who cares and lays down his life. We're going to see another contrast. 
So the metaphor switches now. Jesus was the door. Now Jesus is the good shepherd in verses 11 to 18. We're going to be introduced to some more characters. This time they're called hired hands. We're going to see this theme too in verses 11 to 18 that we've seen throughout John of a relationship between Jesus and the Father. That's really important for us to know. Jesus is going to talk more about that in these verses. Now, many of you know that I'm a runner. Um, and, uh, and when I'm running, well, one of my greatest fears uh, that's been realized a few different times is being chased by dogs. Okay? Um, and, and some runners carry with them uh, something you know, to protect themselves. I have memorized all of the houses where dogs reside who have before chased me. Okay? And every once in a while, a new one pops up. And that's kind of freaky because I'm not expecting it. But, but I know on the routes that I'm on, this is where I would likely get chased by a dog. Now, some carry mace with them. Some carry dog whistles. I, I don't carry anything with me as I'm out running. Um, I, but here's what I do. Here's my strategy. Um, I slow down before I get to one of those houses so that if I see that dog tearing out from wherever it tears out from, I've got some energy stored up so I can just try to outrun that thing. Okay? That, that's my strategy, and it's, and it's worked uh, each time. They run alongside me for a while, um, but I've always been able to escape without a real attack. Now, most of the dogs that are chasing me, I assume, are probably safe, but I don't know that for sure. But they're dogs, right? They're not wolves. So there's a couple advantages that I have when I'm running away from that that sheep don't have. Okay? Most dogs are trained to some degree and are, and are, and are tamed, right? Wolves are not. They're not trained and they're not tamed, right? Nobody's feeding them kibbles and bits. They have to eat sheep, right? And the other advantage that I might have over a sheep, I guess I've never been in a foot race with one, uh, but I think I might be able to beat one. And even if, even if worse came to worse, I probably have a little more strength in my arms than a sheep might have in trying to fend off an attack from a wolf, Right? And so in that context, we understand then what Jesus is saying here. The good sheep are in desperate need of a shepherd who cares for them, who's able to protect them. But Jesus is going to start with a contrast here. He's going to tell them of a hired hand, one who has been hired by the owner of the sheep to care for the sheep. It's that hired hand's job to take care of the sheep, but... Here's what Jesus tells us about them. Jesus says in verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep, here's what he does, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Okay? He just takes off. Danger coming because wolves are not just scary for sheep. Wolves are scary for dudes too. Right? scarier than dogs are for me and so a hired hand hanging out there with the sheep who sees a wolf coming and that wolf looks like it's lunchtime that hired hand because he doesn't really he doesn't, i mean not much is right he doesn't own the sheep and so what does that hired hand do he does a jeremy he just takes off right he just takes off running hoping that that the wolf is more hungry for sheep than he is for hired hand that day Right? So he takes off running. What is the result for the sheep? The wolf snatches them and scatters them. This is devastating for the sheep when those who are entrusted to care for the sheep 
don't really care. Jesus tells us why. He flees because, this is verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is trying to contrast himself with the hired hand. And so he points out that the reason the hired hand, who's been given the job to care for the sheep, runs away. He says, in reality, he cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus is contrasting himself because in verse 11, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? Does he run when he sees a threat coming? No, he lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is pointing out a contrast here. Hired hand sees a threat coming. He doesn't want to be destroyed. He runs. Jesus, the good shepherd, sees a a, a wolf coming. He will willingly lay down his life and be destroyed in order to save the sheep. Contrast there. Verses 14 and 15, Jesus repeats that same thing again. Wants to make sure they're getting it. Remember, they didn't get it when he told the story the first time. So he's being really explicit here. Tell you again, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my own, and my own know me. I love hearing this. I know my own. Remember earlier when Jesus told the story, they didn't get it all, but he said he calls them by name. See, this God that we worship, who is the great I am, he's also the God who knows his sheep. His sheep who are often foolish. His sheep who don't know what's good for them most of the time. His sheep who are weak. His sheep who have failed again and again. His sheep who are probably not done failing. Probably not done making stupid decisions. But he is the good shepherd who knows his own. And his own know him. It's a personal relationship that we can have with Jesus. I know my own and my own know me. And now I told you he's going to talk about this relationship that Jesus has with the Father. He says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And he invites us into that. Jesus says, I'm I'm known by the Father and the Father knows me. And you, my sheep, I know you and you know me. We're invited into the rela- in a relationship with God himself. How incredible. What a privilege this is, isn't it? I know my own. My own know me. I laid down my life for the sheep, Jesus says. And then we have verses 16 to 18. Jesus, less, Jesus is talking here mostly to Jewish people, right? And Jewish people, they were mistaken, most of them mistaken at that time about why God had called them out of all people of the earth. Even way back in Genesis 12, God told them, He called them uh, His own, that they might be a blessing to others. But over time, they would forget that pretty easily. Unless there would be some Jewish people standing around Jesus right then who would think that, that we're the sheep and the Gentiles are the dogs. Because that's what they called them sometimes. Jesus reminds them, I have some other sheep. They're not of this flock right now, but they're going to be because I'm going to go out and get them. And there's going to be how many shepherds? One shepherd. There's going to be how many flocks? One flock. 
Jew, Gentile, coming together under the lordship of Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd, who loves his sheep enough that he's going to go out and get them. He's the one who initiates. He calls them by name, and they hear his voice, and they come. Jesus says, I'm going to go do that, and he's coming for a specific purpose. He's going to do the Father's will. Jesus has come. How many times has he said it already? I think two. He's going to repeat it again now. For this reason, the Father loves me, because why? I lay down my life. But now he adds, he's already said he's going to come and lay down his life, but he adds to it, and take it up again. Okay, So Jesus comes to willingly do the Father's will by laying down his life for the sheep. But what else is he going to do? He's going to take it up again. That's the kind of authority that Jesus has. Nobody's going nobody's to do this to me. I'm doing this willingly. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus comes to lay down his life. This is what he came for. He's letting him in on, this this is what I'm here for. Not just to heal blind people. I can do that. But that's to help you to see that I'm the good shepherd. I'm not like your religious leaders who are going to accuse the Messiah of being a sinner, and we're going to kick out healed people out of the synagogue. No, I'm the one who's going to come and ultimately love you and know you and care for you and provide for you and protect you, loving you so much, even willing to lay down my life for you. And then I'm going to take it up again, because I'm that powerful. It's good to get to know Jesus, isn't it? And so I'd ask you this. I would ask you, have you turned to the one who cares enough to lay down his life for his sheep? Because it's easy to get a skewed picture of who Jesus is. That was their problem here, and it's easy for us. Because I wonder how, remember those hired hands? They were supposed to be caring for these vulnerable sheep, but what did they do? When they saw a wolf coming, they fled. And what was the result for the sheep? Some of them got snatched and the rest of them scattered. And I know that for some and maybe even many of you sitting here today, there was a time in your life when you were vulnerable and those who had been given the job of caring for you didn't do that very well. Some of you have felt the pain of being abandoned by a dad who was supposed to care for you. And that shapes the way you think of a good shepherd. I was just a vulnerable kid. And my parents just seemed to, one of them or the other or both of them, just seemed to kind of leave me. You still have scars from that today. Some of you got married to a man who was supposed to provide for you and protect you, and instead he abused you. You have scars from that still today, and that affects your picture of what the good shepherd looks like. That's why I love how Jesus is doing these contrasts here. There's other people who have been called upon. They're like the hired hands. They're supposed to do this job, and they haven't done it all that well. And they left, and you got attacked, and you've been hurt, and you've got scars. But Jesus wants to make it really clear, I'm not like that. 
I'm not like the one who abandons. I'm not like the one who abuses. I'm the one who loves you so much, knowing everything about you, that I would lay down my life for you. That's who I am. Do you know, do you know Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? He calls you out because he knows you. He invites you into a relationship with him. He knows you're a sinner. That's why he died. He, he knows you're a sinner because he took your sin on himself on the cross. Right? So, so he's not ashamed of, of the fact that you're a sinner so that he's not going to let you in because you're a sinner. That's exactly what he came for. He came because we are sinners and we needed somebody to die in our place. He's the good shepherd who knows us and loves us and cares for us enough to die for us. That's what he came for. Do you trust in Jesus? If you don't, come and talk to me. Nothing more important that we could be talking about. Because we are called to respond in some way, and that's how this passage ends. We see people responding to the good shepherd. And this is not uh, uncommon in the Gospel of Mark. Mark often kind of ends an account by telling us, and here's how people responded. And usually it's two different ways, and we get that again in 19 to 21. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. See, when, when Jesus tells us who he really is and contrasts that with all the people that, that, that people had formerly looked up to, when Jesus tells us who he really is, that causes division. If we're willing to tell people who Jesus really is, that could cause division. That was the case here. Jesus has now told them that he's the good shepherd who comes to lay down his life for his sheep. What happens? Well, many of them say, he has a demon. He's insane. Why would we listen to him? Who listens to Jesus? You remember what he said throughout this passage? Who listens to Jesus? His sheep. He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice. Those who would respond to Jesus by saying, oh, he's, he has a demon, he's insane. Why listen to him? What are they proving? Proving that they're not his sheep. But there's others, and they're at least curious. John doesn't go so far as to say, and a number of people at that moment dropped everything and followed Jesus. He doesn't say that, but here's what he does say. Verse 21, others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Okay, we, We've seen people oppressed by demons, and this is not what they do. This is not how they talk. And then they come back. Remember, this is in the context of chapter 9. They, Jesus healed a man born blind, so they say, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Like, have you seen? Again, this is why Jesus does what he does. He's doing these miracles, not because the most important thing in that guy's life was for him to get sight, but the most important thing is for him to know Jesus and who he is. And Jesus is doing these things to let people know, here's who he is. And when Jesus reveals himself, people aren't sure what to think. So let me close with this. Let me close by asking you again, how have you responded to Jesus Jesus is calling you by name. He's not an impersonal, far-off God. He is one who came to, to, to struggle and to be tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he was without sin. That's who Jesus is. In chapter 9, they accuse Jesus of being a sinner. He's not a sinner. Jesus came, and he never sinned, which is not true of us. And he knows that. He knows of your sin, even the sin that you've been hiding, the ones that, that maybe not even any other people really know about. 
but he came to be the door. He's the only way you get in. You want to have a relationship with God that is right, then you come through the door, who is Jesus. You want to be saved from sin and the destruction that comes from it? Only Jesus. Have you been let down by the people who are supposed to care for you? Like I said, maybe it was a dad, maybe it was a husband, maybe it's a church leader who you feel has failed you in some way. You need to know that Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's not like that. He laid down his life for you. Have you come to Jesus? And a final point to make in application is that Jesus is not just like a good shepherd who kind of had one final stand against a wolf and died and is now laying dead at the gate, being trampled on by wolves so that we're getting attacked as sheep. Because remember what Jesus said in verses 17 and 18? I have authority to lay it down and also what? And to take it up again. See, Jesus is our living shepherd. He continues to care for us. He continues to know us. He continues to provide us with life and to provide it abundantly. He continues to care for us in every way that other people sometimes fail to do. But Jesus doesn't fail. He is a living shepherd. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. You sung that song before? We need that, don't we? Don't we need the tender care of Jesus? He's a shepherd who didn't just lay down his life for his sheep once and now lays there dead that we might he might be trampled over as the wolves attack. But he is a Savior who was raised from the dead and he continues to shepherd and lead and guide his church. He's called in 1 Peter chapter 5 the chief shepherd. And we're told that he's going to return. And this is our hope. Because we're people, like we're going to sing in this song here at the end, we're going to sing this song, uh, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Fear It. Right? Or feel it, I don't know. One of them, I feel it and fear it, right? Prone to wander. We're like sheep, that's what we do. Like, oh, grass over there looks good, right? Prone to wander. But he is a good shepherd who lives and continues to draw us in. So bind my wandering heart to thee. Let's all pray. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I pray first of all for those who are sitting here who know something of God, but do not know Jesus to be their shepherd. The one who died for them and the one who continues to protect and provide for them. God, I pray that they would see that the most important thing they can do today is not just eat lunch with us in a little bit, not have a conversation about snow in a little bit, but to have a conversation with somebody about what it means to know Jesus as the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And God, I pray for all of us who are sheep who have been saved because you called us and we heard your voice and we came and you've provided salvation for us. You have provided us with everything we need. God, help us to be grateful sheep and help us to be sheep that obey. Help us to be not like little kids who hear a voice of someone who loves them and wants to protect them and run the other direction because we think it looks fun. It's a dangerous world out there, God. You know that, and we're more vulnerable than we like to think. Our hearts are prone to wander. Lord, we feel that. But God, would you 
bind our wandering hearts to you? Would you convince us more and more that what we need more than anything is we need you, a God who knows us and still loves us? God, thank you for that. Remind us of that, not just as we sing now, but all throughout the week, that we would come to you, trusting in you as our living shepherd to lead us and to guide us where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen.